0: Hello and welcome to another episode with me, Miss B. In this segment, I speak to Sarah Boating, the founder of IGEA Enterprise, which stands for Investing in Girls' Education in Africa. IGEA is a not-for-profit organization with a mission to deliver quality education to girls in rural parts of Africa. Sarah has started in Ghana. And is working to tackle period poverty in Bogotanga, in the north of the country, where some girls and young women do not have access to period pads for their monthly cycles, and as a result, end up dropping out of school. Sarah talks to us about this enterprise, the alternative solution she is providing to girls in the area, and what inspired her mission. I hope you will enjoy thanks for coming and talking to us today really excited to learn more about what you're
1: doing so introduce yourself tell us more about you yeah so i'm sarah i'm 25 i'm growing up in southeast london but my parents migrated here um, from ghana in the 80s so i'm originally ghanaian so
0: tell us why you're
1: here to talk to us today Uh, so i'm here to talk about my organization called idea enterprise and to share what we do okay
0: so what does
1: idea stand for so it stands for investing in girls education in Africa
0: okay and exactly where and what area are you investing
1: in so at the moment we're we're focusing in Ghana but we're investing in Bogotanga in northern Ghana okay
0: so how far away is that from Tamale?
1: from Tamale, that's about a three-hour drive yeah and then the communities we work in from Bogotanga are like an hour and a half drive so we're proper rural
0: okay yeah so why that area
1: So, originally, um, why why I chose that is because my project manager who I work with, called Rosmond. he actually, like, lives and knows Bulgatanga a lot. So, we wanted to start somewhere where we both have, like, a common ground and we could do community entry, so we could find it easier to talk with the community and engage them in our project. And we could also do quite an easier monitor and evaluation, because he could be able to access it easier, compared to if it was somewhere else in um, northern Ghana.
0: Okay, But, okay, so one of the main reasons is he's from that area. So,
1: yeah, so one of the main reasons is that we was like, so for logistics, because he's from there, he can get there easier. Yeah. And he has family there. Yeah. And he knows the local language that they speak in um, Bogotanga.
0: Which is? Dagare. Okay. So it would
1: be easier for him to communicate with them as well. Okay. And then us finding a translator outside.
0: Okay. But is that area also particularly vulnerable? Yeah,
1: so when we were doing our um, focus research before to see about how the impact of period poverty is in Bolgatanga, we found that 80% of girls from the ages of 11 to 16 had never used an effective period resource. So it is really high out there, especially in the rural communities, that girls have not used something effective for their period. So they've used something like cloth. Cloth is the common common, um, commodity used to maintain periods which is very like unsafe for your like vaginal health and just for you to be able to be fertile as well
0: okay so they're using bits of cloth that like rags
1: yeah exactly so like kind of like some old cloth that they don't use anymore um so that's what they're using to be able to maintain a period which is not safe and it's you know cloth is really like it's not very um absorbent as well probably can absorb some sweat but as for like period blood which is quite heavy it won't be able to absorb that
0: Oh, and what's the impact for these girls then? Are mm-hmm. they not going to school as a result? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, exactly. So one of the reasons why we kind of we started IGEA and the programme that I've designed under that is called Menstruate and Educate. So it's for girls to be able to have the freedom to be on their period and still attend school.
0: Okay. Because we
1: found that girls were missing, on average, 30 days out of an academic year out of school compared to boys that are missing five to eight days out of like, an ac- academic year. So it was something that was, you know, is really bad and impacting their education. And a lot of them, they find it hard to catch up. Because when you miss out school, like five days every single month, you find it quite difficult to be able to catch up. And mm. the teachers there, they're not, they don't really have the time. They're quite overworked mm. to be able to sit down with the female students and say, okay, you've missed out a whole week of school. This is what I can help you with. Um, it was really difficult. So a lot of them had to leave school, unfortunately.
0: Oh my god. Yeah. So what are they doing
1: if they're not at school? So most of them have uh, become traders, like local traders. So that's kind of a little bit of a backstory about IGEA. One thing that I was inspired by is by my mum. So she grew up in rural Ghana and she left school at the age of 12 and sold oranges in Kumasi yeah she sold oranges on the side of the road because she had to leave school early as she didn't have anything to use for her period like my grandma couldn't afford it you know my grandma had like seven kids and they just couldn't afford it so she was the oldest daughter so she had to help my mom
0: so that's actually the the inspiration for Yeah. That,
1: yeah, so that's one of like the main inspirations is because for example like when I go to the community and I see these girls, they're just like my mum. Like I can just picture my mum and all of these girls. Um so I think it just makes my heart pour out even more. Um I wanna work harder. I'm
0: I'm interested and I don't know if you can explain to our listeners and also myself, you have mothers and grandmothers. Mm-hmm who've also had periods, would they not have developed an effective way of dealing with it mm. You know, prior to these girls who are mm. teenagers having to deal with it today? Mm.
1: That is a really good question. And I think what I understand is that cloth has been the common commodity that has been used for periods. And even though it has been something that they've been able to adapt to and they've been able to, to make it work, primarily it's something that is not long-term sustainable because they've been like, okay, I'm using this cloth After a certain while, it's uncomfortable. I can get an infection. It can make me infertile. So why don't I just go work, make the money to be able to afford actual period pads to use? So it's something that is like, okay, a short-term strategy. Okay, this is working. Because on average, people maybe start their period between maybe like 10 to 13. Yeah. So you've got like three years that you're using this cloth. And then after a while, you're like, okay, this is actually really not working. It's not sustainable for me. I need to earn money. Okay.
0: Okay. So tell us what IGEA does, Enterprise.
1: Okay, so what we do at IGEA, we're all about advocating for the investment into the quality education of girls in rural communities within Africa. So primarily, we look at how can we design programs to support girls in rural communities have access to a quality education. Mm -hmm. And primarily, what we're focusing on is period poverty. So we noticed that, you know, and doing research, a lot of girls are leaving school and are, you know, for example, getting early pregnancy and having to have really dangerous abortions. And this was due to mainly having, you know, a lack of access to effective period products. So we're all about investing in providing them with period products for them to be able to reach their full potential in education.
0: Okay, so talk to us about the actual product. Mm -hmm.
1: So we use um, reusable period pads. So these are made out of bamboo cotton fleece and they have a water absorbent layer. And they're also sprayed with antimicrobials to make them safe to use for up to two years. So these products are currently sourced from another project that's working in India. So they've been doing this for about four years, they've supported over 100,000 girls in India. And I got introduced to them when I was just starting IGR, that okay, this project in India is doing something similar, would you like to work with them? So we decided to partner with them and work with them. So when we raise money to be able to buy the pads, we're actually supporting girls in Ghana and supporting girls in India as well.
0: Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So is that because they make, I mean, is there any <laughs> manufacturer involved that involves the ladies?
1: So I think in um, how they make it within India, they have a factory out there. Okay. So they've been able to have, build a factory and support women to be able to um, learn how to make their, these pads as well.
0: Okay. I mean, do you see that happening in Ghana mm. as well?
1: So that is one of the things I would potentially like to happen. I think there's a lot of research that goes into it. And I think a lot of what I think about with doing that is sustainability. Yeah. Um, and to make sure that the women and the community are interested in doing something like that. Because creating pads that are, are high standard um is a lot of work. So we'd have to look at, okay, what could be our retainer for women to actually want to engage in this other than, you know, getting money? What licenses would we have to get? We have to build a factory. How are we gonna get the materials? How are we gonna get the chemicals to make sure they're safe? So there is, at first, that's something I definitely wanted to do um, when I started IGR, looking into it, um, before I partnered with those in India. But I said, okay, if I take time to look at building that, the years it's going to take me, Mm -hmm. you know, we could have supported, you know, over a 1,000 girls or over, like, 2,000 girls by that time. Yeah. So if I partner with someone now and we're having, like, a global effect, that could be stronger now. And then I can look at planning and building our own tree to produce it, if it's suitable.
0: Yeah. I'm quite interested in what you said about the use of bamboo Mm -hmm. because bamboo, we know, is a really hardy product Mm -hmm. anyway. And I think it's five times as strong as steel. Yeah. And um, I know that it's used to make bikes, the bike frames. Yeah. So talk to us about how it's used. You said bamboo fleece.
1: Yeah, so they are able, how they do it in India, they're able to produce the bamboo to to manufacture it, to become a cotton fleece. Um, Unfortunately, I haven't been able to see the whole process just yet, but I know that's something that they do from there to be able to manufacture it into cotton
0: so what is is the bamboo does that make it absorbent like what is the property of it mm-hmm.
1: so the so the bamboo helps to make it absorbent and how, and helps to keep the, the yeah. longevity of the product as well and keeping it safe as well to maintain the antimicrobials that it's sprayed with to keep it safe for up to two years
0: okay yeah so um the antimicrobials is that our normal pads that mm-hmm. we use? Every, yeah. So it's not a different... No, so
1: it's not a different um, source. It's something that's uh, that's already used. So they're, the organisation that I purchased the pads from, they're certified by the International Sanitary Organisation. So mm-hmm. it's the same organisation that um, approve Always Pads and Body Form Pads as well. So oh. they are really made at a high standard to make sure that they're safe.
0: So if you're a young girl in Boligatanga, how many of these reusable mm-hmm. pads do you need to... Mm-hmm. So it'll be all right for a
1: bit <laughs> <laughs> that's a really good question so at the moment um what we've started with is giving them three okay so you've got two day ones and one night one that Ooh. it comes with so they have three, and they all last for up to two years okay
0: yeah. so the all night one is i guess thicker yeah
1: it's thicker and it's longer so it's a long it's a long one and then you have the other two which are pink ones that are a bit shorter but they're still really thick
0: so what has been the feedback from the young women? Mm-hmm. Like when did you start actually handing them mm-hmm. out? So this
1: actually started in October 2019. Wow. Yeah, so we've come quite like a long way and it's amazing to see it took a lot of planning to do as well. Yeah. So it's great to see how it's been able to kind of come come around. But the feedback we got was so positive. It's been it's been really incredible especially from the girls and from the teachers. So what we planned when we started in October is that we'll look at doing um, an evaluation in yeah. January. Yeah. So we did that and we got the, we spoke to the teachers at the time. So the teachers said that their girls' attendance had approved, improved oh. by at least 30%. So that's really positive in just the past, you know, three months. And then we were going to have a proper evaluation in six months. So that was going to be the end of, end of March, beginning of April. But then sadly, yeah. we're in a pandemic. Yeah. So um, unfortunately that couldn't happen. Yeah. And all the girls... Um, sadly they just don't live as close to each other or to the school or to the teachers for us to be able to monitor it as much as we want but we've had really good feedback we just can't wait you know for them to go back to school and just sort of still see how it's going for them and get that
0: and get that real feedback so how does this plug into like the national policy in ghana Do you, mm-hmm. you know in terms of encouraging more girls who are in rural areas to get to go to school because it's mm. an sdg goal anyway isn't it yeah
1: so quality education is yeah. one of that's sdg4 um so last year actually the ghanaian government on world menstrual health day did put out you know a statement saying they can see it's a priority about menstruation and they really want to support girls doing that which is incredible but mainly i've seen a lot of support from girls in the south like in Kumasi and Accra there's you know a lot of work being done and there's so much support in the education system there which is amazing and that kind of ties into one of the reasons why I started IGI is because when, when I first lived in Ghana in 2016 and I lived in a village in somewhere called Sigiri a lot of people don't know it yeah, oh you know it yeah, okay yeah. yeah so I lived there for about four months and yeah. I worked on an education program out there and I just see the potential of the girls in the north and yeah. I just feel like because it's so far as well mainly the charities where you see is like you see world vision or you see yeah. china aid USAID, aid and i don't really see any grassroots you know projects really wanting to just empower mm-hmm. the girls at just a, a local level so that's kind of one of the reasons uh why i started yeah so i haven't necessarily seen how government has plugged in in the north i've seen them start to establish things in the south and wanting to work in providing disposable period products but you know the long-term sustain of that is something that i guess we'll have to See in the future, but I haven't seen anything at the moment with girls in the north.
0: Okay, but the projects that you are aware of are disposable sanitary pads Mm -hmm. as opposed to reusable ones, which is what you're focusing. Yeah, exactly.
1: So from what I've seen, since when we started, we were the only organisation doing reusable in the north. Uh I'm not sure how it's doing now. I know there was quite a few going on in the south. Um doing so in and Kumasi.
0: So what do you know about what they're doing in the south and if how different it is to yours? Because if they mm. are doing it mm-hmm. there, is there a way to co- collaborate or so
1: from what I know is that their projects have recent recently started. Uh... So it's not something that I'm aware of that's been it's going on for long. Yeah. Um so there could be a potential way to collaborate. Mm. I think just with us at the moment our mission and our focus is in girls in rural communities in the north and I think we're really big on wanting to prioritise that now Yeah. Um, because of course you know I'm originally from Kumasi I'm from a place called Swami so I would love to be able to support you know the girls there but the north I feel like there's a lot of potential there and we really want to be able to focus on one area grow that and then move on to the next
0: one so how many girls have you targeted or been able
1: to support so so far in our pilot we've been able to support 100 but now we've just been able to you know raise enough to be able to support 700 next year so that's gonna we're gonna be working in seven new communities spread across um so i think by the time we finish that project from my understanding we're gonna have actually completed the whole western side of Welgotanga which is really exciting um and then we can hopefully move on to the next and the next yeah
0: yeah definitely um I'm interested to know when you said in 2016 you lived in a village in Ghana Mm -hmm. what was that you talked about you were working with an organization so tell us more so I was
1: working with a UK organization um so I was working out there with them on education as an educational specialist so I did my master's in special educational needs and psychology Mm. but looking at it from more of like a psychological perspective and also looking at special educational needs in Africa Mm. so that's one of the reasons why I went out there um and because I'm from Ghana as well and I was like okay this is this is amazing and I finished my master's when I was 21 so I was like in order for me to know where I'm going I feel like I need to know where I'm coming from yeah so that was a big reason for me going there and staying there so long
0: okay and tell us about that experience if you were living in a village Mm -hmm. it was
1: amazing but at first like the first three weeks i absolutely hated it like i wanted to come home i was like there's bugs everywhere i was like there's flies everywhere i can't do this there's bats there's snakes there's bats yeah there's <laughs> bats oh my gosh sometimes we have bats like on our ceiling once we had a snake in our house it was literally and they were like oh you know sometimes snakes come in here to say hi to you and we're like we're good so we got a snake coming to say hi which was mental But I think for me, it was the most life-changing thing that I ever did. And I think I would nowhere be where I am now, be where I am with i g i if I didn't do that. Yeah. Because I think one of the things I would say, it's really important with anyone that wants to do any kind of, you know, charitable project or an NGO, you need to understand the community you're working with. Yeah. You can never go in there being like somebody that's, oh, you grew up in London, but I'm Ghanaian and I think they need this because they do it in London. Let me go there and do it. Because you can see, if you see the statistics like 80% of those projects actually end up failing within the first three years because Um. it's not sustainable. You don't understand the community Mm. and the community is not engaged.
0: Okay, that is really, really interesting. (laughs) I'm interested to know what your mum thinks of it because obviously Mm -hmm. it was inspired by her Mm -hmm. life so what does she think
1: she thinks igr is her baby she's literally (laughs) like oh my gosh she wants to be the director of igr she wants to do like she's incredible honestly my mom is just amazing she just loves it she loves everything it stands for and she's so passionate about it passionate about talking about it so she absolutely loves it and she can't imagine like when i first told her about igr um well a little bit of a backstory so when I finished volunteering in Ghana I then ended up getting an internship with the UN in Geneva so I was doing that um for about eight months and I absolutely loved it but I couldn't find a job there that I was like was me yeah so I knew that I'm passionate about girls education I knew that I'm passionate about rural communities but I just didn't know how to combine the two and Mm -hmm. I felt like there wasn't a job where I could see that So that's kind of how Igea kind of developed as well. So she was a bit worried because she was like, you don't really have like, you don't, it's not paying you, you know, you don't really have like a job or anything. But I was like, you know what, I've always been told one thing is that when you're working in your passion and your purpose, money will come. And I can tell anyone listening like that, I'm evident to that, like the money that we've just been blessed with to be able to do the project, like... It wouldn't have... Like, it's just insane. I never could have imagined it. Yeah. So you've just got to, like, follow what you're passionate about. Obviously, be wise about it and have wise counsel. But just follow what you're passionate about and money will come. Yeah. Like it will.
0: Well, that's actually some good advice to this <laughs> yeah, as well. Because I was going to ask you, if anybody is interested in doing mm. what you're doing, how, how would you sort of encourage them? Mm. I think you've covered that. Yeah. yeah. And uh,
1: another thing I would say is just start where you are. Don't think about you need to do a million or like loads of go- or a thousand girls or boys or whoever you want to su- communities you want to support at first like we I wanted to do loads I was like I'm gonna do a thousand you know and I only had money at the time for 40 mm-hmm. and I was like okay mm-hmm. you know what? it's the impact it's mm-hmm. like what are the hard numbers because even if you just help one person that's one person and one generation's life change yeah you know so it's so much about thinking about the bigger picture and streamlining as well that I think really helps
0: just out of interest you know Mm -hmm. the education that you provide to the girls Mm -hmm. is it also the boys as well so sexual health yeah that's
1: a really good question so when the workshops that we provide at the moment so we provide uh, community workshops which Mm. are for community leaders and families and mothers and fathers Mm. so that's where we have males involved as well speaking to them about menstruation and the impact the cultural taboos have on the education of the girls there. At the moment, when we're doing the menstruation workshops, we did it for just the girls because we were teaching them how to use the pads in that same workshop as well. But primarily, we would like to develop something with the teachers in the school, which we were in talks with before i left ghana mm. in october about how we can actually put this into like the curriculum or a little like side class of being able to teach about mm. sexual and reproductive health and rights sexual rights is really important so they both know as boys and girls you know okay how do you have full autonomy over your body what that looks like mm. what consent looks like mm. um, and to protect yourself in sex as well
0: and that's interesting because i know that government is looking to do some work in educating yeah, well, I think at school level, isn't
1: mm-hmm.
0: it? Yeah. I think it's at a, an early stage now. Yeah. But there's already been some backlash, hasn't there? Oh,
1: my gosh. I was in Ghana when that was happening. So ah. I was literally following the news, like, every single day. Like, was happening? And it just was an uproar. It was a massive uproar. And I think they pulled it back because they were like, okay all the ministers, like nobody wants it. And I was listening to a, a TV station, which was talking about how, you know, there is a need for it. Cause I think there is a need because there's certain things that, you know, females and males need to know about what's appropriate to where to be touched on their body. And if they don't know the proper names of it, or anything anybody could take advantage of that and i think it's really important just for like that mental health and just to see you know our people in ghana develop as well you know to be educated in sexual health and sexual rights and consent i think it's really important
0: okay brilliant so i know that covid has stopped a lot of things and once we're able to move freely you'll be going back to ghana yes yeah (laughs) um i i I guess what we want to know is how we can help you Mm -hmm how you know uh, the readers Mm -hmm. you know what would you like for us
1: to do Mm -hmm. that's such a good question Uh, that's a golden question isn't it i think one thing we would like is just for everyone to just spread the awareness and educate yourself um which is really important just you know on sexual and reproductive health and rights and the more we speak about it and the more we normalize the topic the more that we can kind of Take out all the nooks and crannies of like the hidden agendas behind it and the negative agendas that people do have to prey on vulnerable people, which I think is really important as well. And just to help us spread, th- spread the word out about us, you know, you can find us at www.igrenterprise, so that's I G E A dot org, you know, and we would love, you know, to work with anyone or to part with anyone to be able to support as many girls and boys as we can because we really, would really want to see. You know, Ghana and every Ghana Uprise, you know, they say that um, the World Health Organization in 2018 actually released a study that said a, a country will lose in its lifetime 15 to 30 trillion dollars in production and earnings for girls being uneducated after the age of 12. So it shows you the impact it has. And mm-hmm. it's like, we want Ghana to grow. Ghana is already doing amazing things with like the year of return. And we wanna see that progression. But one thing we need to prioritize is girls and women's education yeah. and then being put ahead because they are really going to be, you know, the pioneers of making Ghana, you know, what it is.
0: And what about us donating? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so <laughs> on our website, you can also see ways to donate. Um, The period pad kits, they cost £10 per girl. Um, So we're happy to have, you know, donations and partnerships, of course. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, and like you said, one... Well, I think you give three period yeah. pads for one girl. Yeah,
1: so in the they come in a pack of three, exactly. Oh, so it's three for the £10, 10. yeah. Okay. And it comes with a cotton bag that they can use for school um, or for anything else. And also two pairs of underwear, so they can use that as well. Because, you know, some oh, girls wow. may not have access to the underwear to use the pad. So we give them two star underwears as well. Makes sense.
0: So um, just to explain to us how it looks, this pad and the knickers. Yeah,
1: Sure. <laughs> So it comes with three reusable pads. So that's two day ones and one night one. It comes with two pieces of black underwear that the girls can use um, with their pads. And also it comes with an Igea cotton tote bag. So the bags that the girls can use for school or for shopping or anything else they wish to.
0: Okay. So, you know, for us ladies in, in the West, when we're using our pads, they've, we've got that sticky bottom mm-hmm. and then we've got the wings, which... Yeah. So explain to us how this differs. Yeah, so
1: you still have the wings, but there's a button at the back. Ah. So you'll so you put it in your underwear and then you clip it at a button at the back and then that's how it stays on. Okay. Yeah. okay. Okay. Are you, are you on
0: social media? Yeah,
1: so we are. So you can find our website at www.igeaenterprise.org. Also, we're on Instagram and we're on Twitter at igeaenterprise.
0: Okay, brilliant. Thank you for listening to this podcast, a collaboration between acadymagazine.com and msbrights.co.uk. The music in this episode is by the Golden Stool Project, an initiative created to encourage, promote, and develop Ghanaian arts and culture. To find out more, follow the Instagram handles at the Golden Stool Project at Acadimag and at MISB EEE writes thank you